This is New Bedford's news talk station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And welcome back in the third and final hour of the program here on Tuesday. And a little bit later on in the hour, we're going to talk about bears. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit more about plastic surgery. Uh, joining us on the line right now as part of our Your Health Matters segment, we have joining us Dr. Craig Moores from South Coast Health. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for joining us. And, you know, we, we've been talking a little bit about plastic surgery this month and, and what it means for people. But I think people have a, 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 mis, a misunderstanding of what a plastic surgeon does. Okay. It seems like um, they get wrapped up in the cosmetic side of it, and they don't think about all of the the, the everyday cases that uh, that must come across must come across your uh, your desk. Yeah, we do a, a incredibly large variety of reconstructive cases uh, on top of doing uh, cosmetic surgeries. Uh, we work a lot with other surgeons who have problems that they need uh, help with in the operating room. So we work with orthopedic surgeons and general surgeons to either do hernia repairs and abdominal wall reconstruction or uh, help reconstruct wounds that may develop after knee replacements. So we do a very, uh, there's dog bites to uh, faces and, and hands that we take care of. So it's actually very rewarding in the sense that we do such a wide uh, scope of uh, different types of surgery. And it seems like it has progressed so much uh, it, over the years to the point where, you know, some of these things that you're talking about are things that just a few decades ago might have been permanent, you know, disfigurements for people. Yeah, a lot of um, major advances actually happened in plastic surgery after uh, World War One, with a lot of facial injuries. And from there, the technology and the advancements in wound care and our understanding has really been unbelievable. And so we do use a lot of uh, biologic um, products like a uh, like pig-based products that have had the cells removed that have growth factors in them and that can help to get wounds to heal on their own using less uh, tissue and creating less scars on patients. So it is really um, a, a good experience to be able to use all these different types of new um, drugs and um, uh, medications and surgical techniques that are constantly coming out. What do you find are still some of the challenges that face plastic surgeons these days, even with all these advancements? Uh, you know, it's just difficult. People um, have problems sometimes healing if they have other underlying medical conditions like diabetes or they're smoking. And, you know, we're always trying to uh, avoid having a lot of scar tissue. But sort of a misconception is that you can have plastic surgery and there'll be absolutely no scars. But um, all surgery leaves behind uh, some type of mark. And so challenges are always trying to uh, get your results as good as possible and try and get your results where you think they should be. And, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, uh, there's many challenges in the field. So what would be the process for somebody? I'm sure it's different depending on the, on the procedure, but kind of what's the average process for someone to, to come into you for a consultation? How do they get there? And then what's the journey like from there? So you can um, call any of the South Coast hospitals and request an appointment. You can also go on southcoast.org slash plastic surgery and request an appointment. And uh, you'll be scheduled with one of the three board-certified plastic surgeons at South Coast. 
and we'll talk to you about what your uh, goals are or what your problem may be and how it's affecting your life and then sort of guide you through what we think options are for management of the problem. You know, there's usually several things you could do, such as conservative options for management or um, surgical options as well. So we'll try and give you advice on what we think we can help you with or what we think a, a good way is to uh, manage these issues. Um, and then if you choose to go forward with some type of surgery, then we'll schedule that for you and, and guide you through the surgical process and the recovery process as well. And, and do you find that when people are coming to you for those consultations, are, are, are they prepared for what it's going to take, or do you have to really give them a lot of, of the idea? Because I think people, like, like I said, they have an idea of what plastic surgery is all about, but they might not know all the ins and outs of it. And I'm sure there's a bit of a, a psychological and emotional factor to going through this as well as the physical. Yes, for sure. And, and so uh, some people are very prepared and they know uh, exactly what the um, options usually are and what the criteria would be to have certain things covered and other people are just here to ask questions and there is no uh, sort of, you don't need to be prepared to come speak with us. You can just tell us what you're thinking and we'll try and help guide you through the process. Um, and if it is having a major uh, impact on you, we'll see if we can help you with that as well. And uh, again, I'm sure it's different, but the recovery process I'm sure has has improved over the years and is probably to the point now where, you know, it's it's got to be the best that it can possibly be, but people still have to understand that there's going to be a recovery process involved. It's not going to be instantaneous results. Yes, and every surgery is different. So some surgeries have a more minimal amount of downtime and you can get back to normal activities in a day or so. And other surgeries have um, downtime where, you know, you're not feeling uh, up to doing athletics or um, being too active for a couple weeks. And then usually everything is well healed by about four weeks. And, you know, some surgeries can take months to, to fully heal. But, you know, a lot of times people are restaurant ready after sort of a short period of time. And what is it about South Coast Health Plastic Surgery that kind of stand apart, stands apart from some other places where people could go and have these procedures done? I think because we're uh, doing such a, a wide range of surgeries, we're doing a lot of reconstructive and insurance-based surgeries as well as cosmetic procedures. Every surgeon at South Coast is a board-certified plastic surgeon, meaning the American Board of Plastic Surgery has examined us and reviewed our practice and deemed it to be safe and um, ethical. And so uh, that's something you can find at South Coast that you can't necessarily always find uh, in other places. I think that's interesting, too. So if somebody is considering doing this for cosmetic purposes, they can also go to South Coast Health, and they might feel more comfortable with that because, you know, it's their regular health care provider as opposed to having to go to somebody else that they've, they've never seen before. Yeah, the surgeries are happening in the same hospital setting that, you know, heart surgeries and lung surgeries and abdominal surgeries are happening. Uh, so uh, we're often not using um, smaller uh, sort of in-office-based operating rooms. We certainly have procedure rooms available for smaller procedures, but... Yeah, I think some people do take comfort in being in a hospital and having, you know, sort of the uh, best doctors around in case there is any issues that may occur. And if people do want to schedule a consultation or find out more, how can they do so? They can go to southcoast.org slash plastic surgery and uh, they'll be able to uh, navigate the website relatively easily. Or you could just call um, either Charlton Memorial Hospital or St. Luke's Hospital and ask the operator if you can get an appointment to see a plastic surgeon. Well, I thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Moores, and for explaining this a little bit better. I think I think people that are, you know, going through this or about to go through this will kind of understand a little bit a little better. And maybe some folks that were a little concerned about maybe undergoing plastic surgery now feel a little bit better about the process.
Yeah, and there's no stress. Just come by and, uh, you know, see. tell us what you think um, you'd like to happen, and we'll see what we can do for you. So just come by and see us. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. That is uh, Dr. Craig Moores. Uh, he is a plastic surgeon at South Coast Health, and this is part of our South Coast Health Your Health Matters segment, which we will do on a regular basis because, you know, as South Coast Health likes to say, they're more than medicine. And part of that is, you know, being able to supply you with this information to make you feel better about some of these procedures and uh, also maybe put it into your into your mind if you're considering some of these and exactly what to expect. I think that you can learn a lot from talking directly to the doctors and uh, and hearing from them about the, the the advancements. That's what I find to be the most fascinating part about these conversations is just how South Coast Health is at the top of the game when it comes to having all of this technology, but also how much easier it makes some of these procedures for you. So that's uh, we will continue on bringing you those topics as uh, we go along here, at least during my time here, filling in in the morning. Also, a little bit later on, we're going to be talking, as I mentioned, bears with mass wildlife. Until then, it is all about you at 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app if you'd rather send in an app message. You can do so. We uh, have that ability. All you have to do is open up your app, select the App Chat button, and then, then just send us a text. And maybe I'll respond to you on the air. Maybe I'll respond to you with a text, as I did to some app chatters over the weekend when I sat down in front of the computer for a few moments and I caught up with some of the messages that had come in and I was able to send out some responses. So it's a great way to reach out to us and to be able to interact with us. You can also, of course, record a voicemail message as well with the open line feature. I just got to be able to listen to it first before I play it. I trust you, but I also don't trust you. Yeah. So it's a lot different sometimes when you're calling into the radio station and you know you're on the air on the radio and you kind of watch your language a little bit as opposed to when you're on your cell phone kind of just, you know, leaving a voicemail. Sometimes you say things that you might not want to say on the air. Believe me, I know I've been there. I've said things that I shouldn't say on the air quite a few times. Uh, but the, the, the swears and, and the, the slips of the tongue, that's pretty easy to fix, especially if I can just hit the dump button over here. That usually takes care of most of those problems. But the, the one thing that I, I really can't do anymore, especially since we are now podcasted, you can hear all of our shows on podcast. I got to remember to give out the studio phone number and not give out my cell phone number, which I have done before. Uh, but anyway, the number is 508... Not, no, I'm just kidding. The real number is 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and get involved right now, though, we'll take a break and be back in a few moments. <laughs> Welcome back in 508-996-0500 or you can hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app or open line voicemail messages on the WBSM app. Uh, sorry to say that the Celtics blew it last night. If you missed uh, the game itself, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. If you planned on waiting to watch it on DVR, don't waste your time. It was a horrible effort. It was a horrible way to end the season after fighting so hard to crawl their way back, to just choke away that game last night with a bunch of bricks. They just were not taking good shots, in my opinion, and weren't trying to put the ball in the basket. So, and I don't know what their changes are going to come to the Celtics, but one thing they got to focus on is 
reiterating to these guys that you can score two points even when you're down 10. You don't, not everything has to be a three. And I was somebody that, for the longest time, hated people making that argument. Like, if you've got three-point shooters, take a three-point shot. No, no. I've changed my mind, especially after watching that game yesterday. Also, if you went to Boston Calling, and you uh, whether you were somebody who won tickets from us or if you just went and purchased tickets for yourself, let me know what you thought. I thought it was a great time. I thought it was a great weekend. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to going back in the future, and uh, and I hope that many of you that did go feel the, the same way. I heard that there was, Kate was mentioning there were some sound issues for Alanis Morissette on Saturday, but everything else seemed to go off without a hitch. So I, I had a really good time, and I enjoyed the acts that I went there to see, and I also discovered some new music that I didn't know about previously that now I'm a fan of. So that's the great thing about festivals is you can see who you want to see, but also be surprised by some of the others that you see. Coming up after the news, we're going to be talking with Dave Waddles of Mass Wildlife about bears and about whether or not the bear that keeps getting reported here all over the South Coast, now into Plymouth and Middleborough, if it is the same bear or if there are multiple bears. We'll talk about that and more coming up. But one of the stories that came out over the last couple of days, and you heard Kate mention it in the news earlier, is this woman in Maine who brought a baby raccoon into Petco to get its nails trimmed. And when it was brought into the store, people were petting it and kissing it and having this interaction with a baby raccoon, which meant that the wildlife authorities had to test it for rabies. Because if, a, if an animal, a wild animal, has close contact with human beings like that, they have to test it for rabies. Now, the, the process to do so means they have to euthanize the animal. They can't test an animal for rabies that's still alive because they have to, they have to take parts of its brain out and test the brain. So this woman brought this raccoon, this baby raccoon, into Petco and as a result ended up getting it killed. Unnecessarily, I might add, because the raccoon tested negative for rabies. So I don't know what she was thinking. There's no comments that I, in any of the stories that I've seen from the woman as to why she brought the baby raccoon into the store. Other than that, she was there to get its nails trimmed, which, by the way, Petco does not trim raccoon nails. So I don't know what possessed her to want to bring this thing in there. She probably just wanted to help. I'm assuming that it was, you know, an abandoned baby or something. And that she didn't know what the end result would be because I don't think she would have brought it in if she knew it was going to get euthanized as a result. But also people, if somebody walks into a pet store with a baby raccoon don't kiss it. It's probably not a good idea to even go anywhere near it. When I was a kid, my dad had a, a table at a, at a flea market. And we would go there. And I don't know, even know how much we went there. I remember being there multiple times. But I don't think we, we were there very, very often. But when I went, there was a person who had a raccoon that they kept in a shopping cart. Like they turned the shopping cart into a cage and pushed this raccoon around. And the raccoon did not want to be in that carriage. It did not want to be in that shopping cart. But yet 
they kept it this way. And I, I, I don't know, like, if they put it in the car and brought it home or if it lived at the flea market. I don't know. But don't do that. Don't do that. We have a, uh, a call on the VIP line here. I'm not sure if that is our wildlife expert or not. Let's see here. Uh, good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello. Hi, good morning. This is Dave Waddles. Oh, hi, Dave. So we do have the news coming up at 830. I just got to keep you on hold for a few minutes for that, if that's okay. Yep, that's fine. All right, we will do that. All right, so uh, there we go. We have somebody who knows about wildlife much more than I do and can share that with us. Uh, let me see if I can put him back on hold there. I don't know if that's working. Okay, well, I'm just going to have to keep you active there uh, throughout the course of the news. But when we come back on the other side of the news, we will talk bears. We will talk about whether or not this bear that everybody is reporting is the same bear or are there multiple bears. Maybe we can even get into why. You don't want to keep a raccoon in a shopping carriage or have people kiss one in the Petco store. Kate, have you ever kissed a raccoon? Never. All right, good. How about you? I mean, there was that one time. Okay, we don't talk about that. We had a few drinks. (laughs) The raccoon was buying, so I think the raccoon wanted me to kiss it. Okay, So, But again... You know, I should have asked first. That would have been the, mm-hmm. the right way to go. All right, let's go uh, into, into the newsroom with Kate Robinson. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is set to head out on his first presidential campaign tour this week. The Republican formally entered the race for the White House last week. He's expected to visit a dozen cities throughout Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy are hitting the phones today to sell the debt ceiling deal they struck to holdouts within their respective parties. The House is expected to vote Wednesday on the bipartisan deal that raises the nation's debt limit for the next two years. It then needs to pass the Democratic-controlled Senate before the June 5th deadline to act or risk default. One-time Silicon Valley superstar and Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes is expected to start serving her 11-year prison sentence today. Brad Siegel has more. Holmes will serve her time at the Bryan, Texas prison. According to the Federal Bureau of Prisons, the prison camp holds about 650 women convicted of white-collar crimes. Rules at the prison include 6 a.m. wake-up calls and working for 12 to 40 cents an hour. She'll also be expected to mop the floors, take out the trash, and make her bed. Holmes was found guilty in January of 2022 on four of the 11 fraud and conspiracy counts she was charged with. I'm Brad Siegel. An Iowa apartment complex that partially collapsed Sunday night is set to be demolished today. Eight people were rescued after the historic six-story building in Davenport partially collapsed. Davenport Mayor Mike Matson said canine search units left the scene Monday afternoon after working through the night looking for survivors. Nearly five years after 11 people were shot to death in the Pittsburgh-area Tree of Life Synagogue, the trial of their accused killer starts today. Michael Kastner reports. Robert Bowers is charged with killing 11 worshippers at a Pittsburgh-area synagogue in 2018. It was the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. He had reportedly offered to plead guilty in return for a life sentence, but prosecutors are seeking the death penalty. I'm Michael Kastner. Teenager who was shot and wounded after knocking on the door of the wrong house in Kansas City made his first public appearance yesterday. 
Ralph Jarl joined hundreds of other people at the 36th annual Going the Distance for Brain Injury Memorial Day run. Jarl is continuing to recover from last month's shooting, suffering from migraines and balance issues. He was shot after showing up at the wrong home while trying to pick up his brother. Passengers on board a carnival cruise are recounting a harrowing experience after the ship was rocked by rough weather over the weekend. Sharon Tutrone says it felt like the captain cruised directly into the eye of a developing storm. There's no way around this one. We went directly into that storm and sailed through it. It sounded like the, the ship split in two. We were flying blind with our lives in someone else's hands. The storm delayed the carnival sunshine from returning to port in South Carolina. Water and debris filled parts of the ship as some passengers were taking note of where to find life jackets. Carnival says the ship eventually made it home and is now out on its next voyage. This Friday will be the one-month mark for the ongoing Writers Guild of America strike, which shows no signs of reaching a conclusion. Hollywood screenwriters called a strike for the first time in 15 years after negotiations stalled over increased pay for some 11,500 union members. Thousands rallied in Los Angeles last Friday in support of the strike, and picketers have been seen outside studios daily since May 2nd. When you go to the beach and set up your spot, you're being cased by thieves. Brie Tennis has more. Scientists at the University of Sussex, that's in the UK, studied seagulls and human interaction. Turns out they watch us. They know what we're eating and where we put it. The study says seagulls methodically plan their swoop for human snacks. The study shows while birds would eat snacks left out, they prefer what is in our hands. And while they'll eat just about anything, they like chips the most. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. In sports, the Celtics couldn't beat the Heat after becoming just the fourth team in NBA history to force a Game 7. Despite losing the first three games, Boston lost to Miami 103-84. The finals kick off Thursday with the Heat versus the Nuggets in Denver. And the Red Sox take on the Cincinnati Reds at Fenway Park tonight. Now for a look at your local forecast from ABC6. Well, today we're going to be sunny, but a bit hazy. And that's just because we have wildfire smoke moving in from Nova Scotia throughout the day. We do have an onshore wind out of the east. And so that means it'll be cooler along the coastline, but further warmer as we head inland. For us, we're going to be in the mid to upper 60s today. Overnight tonight, low 40s. And for tomorrow, partly cloudy skies, high in the low 70s. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station for 1420 WBSM. Right now it is 55 degrees and sunny. I'm Kate Robinson for WBSM News. Stay up to date with WBSM, New Bedford's news talk station, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. 1420 WBSM, as crystal clear as FM. Stream us on the WBSM app. And welcome back in. Joining us now on the line, we have Dave Waddles. He is a black bear and fur bearer biologist with the Massachusetts Division of Fisheries and Wildlife. And he's joining us to talk about the bear sightings that have been happening here lately. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm I'm, uh, just, uh, I got to ask you the most... uh, important question for everybody around here over the past week or so and that is we've had bear reports coming from Mansfield from Taunton all the way through Fall River New Bedford, Acushnet, into the Marion Mattapoisett area into Wareham, now Plymouth, Middleborough is this all the same bear is that likely or, or are we likely seeing multiple bears in the area? It's almost certain that it's the same bear there's a couple in there where you know 
your tracker, for example, on your website, you can kind of see as it went from Franklin and Rentham then to Taunton. You can basically follow the path. And then occasionally you'll get one sighting that's kind of out of the area. We're not sure whether those are verified sightings or not, because as you can see, this one bear gets sighting after sighting after sighting versus an isolated sighting in the southeast. Highly good chance that it's something else rather than a bear. So it's pretty much one animal that is moving through um, all those towns. So the amount of ground that this bear covered in one week is is not uncommon for a bear? It's a lot. I mean, he's definitely moving. Um, but this is their mating season. So even um, in our established range, it, uh, bears are moving quite a lot this year. And they can easily cover uh, many miles in a single day. And we see that all the time. Um, but this one definitely is on the move. It's amazing the distances where he just keeps, you know, hopping from one town to the next uh, uh, pretty quickly. And, and so the, the mating season is the reason why we would see this bear coming down here? He's, he's looking for a mate? He's, he's a young, we, we believe he's about a two-year-old male. Um, and what he's, what's probably happening with him is our bear population is growing and expanding to the east. And, and as it does so, young males tend to be the ones that push that leading edge. They disperse out of the established range. Um, and then they are just trying to find a territory for themselves. So he's kind of just wandering, looking for other bears at this point, um, which is probably why he's making just kind of this erratic uh, wandering. So if he, if he found other bears here, if it just so happened that there was a female in the area at the same time, do you think that it would be likely that they would stay here or would they mate and then move back to where they came from? Uh, they'd, they'd likely stay there, but the issue is that the, the females aren't going to be wandering in the same fashion. Um, Young females tend to use a portion of their mother's range uh, when they disperse, whereas males commonly disperse 50, 100 miles. So a male from Central Mass could end up in New Hampshire, Connecticut, eastern Massachusetts, uh, west of the Connecticut River very easily, whereas a female just kind of shifts and uses a portion of her mom's range. So that's what really drives the, the real expansion of our entire population is as females continue to move east. Um, so if they were, so there's, there's not likely a female in this area. Well, we pretty much know there's not a female in the area this bear's moving through. So, but is it possible, though, that these bears could eventually migrate to the point where, like, this becomes part of their, the area that they reside in? Yes, absolutely. And that's what we've seen over the past 50 years uh, in Western Mass. Uh, the bear population we have today is the result of a slow expansion and recovery from a remnant population in the northern Berkshires that first spread throughout the, uh, the Berkshires and down into Connecticut, eventually crossed the Connecticut River, and is slowly pushed out to the Worcester area and even further to the east. So, yes, this is just a continuous expansion. So we fully anticipate there will be more and more. And there have been more sightings of these young males in the last couple of years in southeast Mass than we've seen in quite a while, or basically ever seen. So really, people who live down here on the south coast of Massachusetts should be getting used to the idea of having to live with bears, maybe not on a permanent basis yet, but certainly having them come through our area. Yes, absolutely. We anticipate that there are going to be more and more in the coming years, and it will be kind of a gradual thing where it will start further to the west. You know, Plymouth is likely in the towns closest to the ocean are going to be the last ones to really experience established bears. Um, but it is happening, um, and, and yes, they should should get used to having bears around. And really, that means living to coexist with bears. And the big thing is there is not providing food around your homes and communities for bears. So the bears are using the forest, they're using the wetlands, but they're not in people's backyards and neighborhoods. 
Well, so one of the criticisms that came up last week was that, you know, when the bear came into New Bedford, he had come into kind of a, a densely populated and heavily trafficked area. The police shut down the area. They tried to move the bear along into another opportunity, you know, to go into the woods and a cushion it. And that has come up a few times where law enforcement has kind of gotten involved. There was an incident in Marion where it looked like they were trying to tranquilize the bear. Um, are these ways that we should be trying to discourage bears from coming into this area? Or should we kind of just let them sniff their way through and then move along? Our plan is not to take any action unless it ends up in a very highly developed place like New Bedford. So if it's just moving through neighborhoods, relatively low-density residential areas, we've got bears living in those places. We've got bears living in, in relatively dense, developed, densely developed areas in our established range. But every once in a while, people see that we relocate a bear out of Worcester or um, some other major developed area. That's just because that, that animal is a bear or a moose, for example. But the bear has wandered so far in that there's there's... It's so far into development, there's not easy escape for it, where it's not likely to be involved with vehicle collision. And that bear in New Bedford was starting to get to that point where there was so much traffic around, so many cars, it was so deep in, it wasn't likely to get out. So there was an attempt made to try to capture it. It would have been taken to a state forest or, or other natural area. Um, but once it got out of there on its own, uh, it, it was allowed to just move through these other lower-density developed areas. Had the bear, you know, been captured and moved, would it have been moved, say, locally to, like, the, the Miles Standish State Forest or the Freetown State Forest, or would it, would, it, would it have been brought all the way back, you know, more west? I think a little further west, most likely, um, just given the fact that it was, you know, it just continues to move. Uh, and, you know, every day it was popping up in a new, more developed area. Um, we probably would have taken it closer to our established range, maybe Douglas State Forest or something like that. Um, you know, not, you know, all the way out in the Berkshires or anything, but not kind of right down in that area, just because it's likely to just keep wandering if we do. And so when, when you're dealing with these bears and you're trying to, uh, do, are you trying to really track them in a way where you're just keeping an eye on them and going through, or do you actually try to get to the point where you want to maybe tag them and be able to chip them and, and see where they go? Yep, we, we are studying and monitoring the bear population. So we currently have about 40 females that are collared um, that we are tracking and monitoring. And this allows us to do a bunch of things. We can monitor their survival, causes mortality, uh, their reproduction by doing den visits on them each winter. Um, and some of our collars have GPS units on it so we can see their habitat use, their movements when they cross roads, uh, and really get a big picture of the bear population. We don't typically collar uh, males, like a young male like this, will grow very, very rapidly. So in the next year, he could put on 100 pounds. So if you put a collar on that animal, there's a very good chance he's going to outgrow it very quickly. Um, and once males get really large, um, it's difficult to actually keep a collar on them because their necks are so large compared to their heads. So um, not really any intention to immediately uh, track the actively track this bear. So we just kind of keep track of where it's going so that, all right, we're anticipating where it could pop up. Uh, in the other area because there is a possibility that we may have to take action with it. But um, generally speaking, not overly concerned that, that it's moving through these areas. Well, again, my, my cursory examination this morning had it in Middleborough last sighting. Do you have an idea of where it might have been last spotted? Uh, the last one I had was in Plymouth. Um, you know, we're, we're trying not to give out too detailed locations um, mm -hmm. just because it is a novelty for people in the southeast. Uh, and we've already seen throughout this experience that, you know, as the public finds out where it is, people will flock to, you know, if, for example, as soon as it left the 
New Bedford and moved into a cushion it, people were flocking to the area that had gone trying to catch a glimpse of the bear. Unfortunately, that can actually, you know, drive the bear back into development or crossroads where, you know, it could be negative for the bear to do that. So we're trying not to give out, uh, you know, detailed locations as to uh, where it is. Yeah, even some of the photos and videos we've shared have, have mostly just been from people's security cameras well after the bear has moved from the area for the same reason. And and I guess it bears repeating, no pun intended, uh, to tell people, you know, ways that they can avoid having a bear come into the yard and what they should do if they do encounter one. Yep, the biggest thing is to remove the food sources. So essentially bird feeders are, are really a big one for bears. Um, it, it, they basically train bears to come to yards and neighborhoods to find food, come up on your deck rather than looking for food in the forest because it's such a calorie-rich, easy meal for them. Uh, and they can go house to house to house feeding at bird feeders. So it really draws them into these places. So remove the bird feeders, uh, secure your garbage in a garage or shed. You know, any can outdoor food sources, uh, pet food, all those things should be cleaned up. That way the bears just, it's, it's not in your neighborhoods. Um, the good thing is that black bears aren't inherently aggressive towards people. Um, so that's why we're not overly concerned about its presence moving through these neighborhoods. Um, but it's important to give it space, too. They are a large, powerful animal. Uh, so if you see it, you know, give it space. You see it in the backyard. Don't try to get close to get a better photo or anything like that. Um, if you see it on a trail, don't try to get closer. You know, back up, give it space, and the bear will move on on its own. Do you want to make noise? Is that I've seen that suggested. You make a lot of noise yep. and slowly move away. Yep, and, and that can be just really to let the bear know that you're there. Um, you know, it's not necessarily so much to try to scare it off. A lot of times, because these bears are so used to seeing people, they kind of, you know, you yell at it, and they just look at you, stare at you, and then turn around and wander off at their own pace. Um, but it's more so you don't surprise it. So if, if you're hiking down a trail or something, um, and there's a bear in the distance, you kind of just want to make some noise. Hey, bear, I'm over here. That way it knows you're coming. It doesn't get surprised and potentially act defensively once you're right on top of it. And it, it's not out there hunting for people's pets. It's not out there hunting to, to take down your dog or, or your chickens, but it's also a good idea to make sure you keep them away from the bear. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no, black, black bears are generally speaking uh, indifferent towards pets. Um, we don't tend to see a lot of negative interaction, and most of the time it is the dog that goes after the bear, and then there's a, an issue. So, um, and quite frankly, frankly, all the food things I just mentioned go for coyotes as well. Obviously, lots of coyote issues in southeast Mass. Um, so cleaning up those food sources is really one of the main things for coyotes as well. And then there's definitely more of an issue with coyotes and with pets um, than with bears. They actively will go after pets. So our recommendation is cats are kept inside and dogs are on a leash when they're outside. And if the person's presence on the other end of the leash, that prevents the coyote from going after the dog. And, and just real quickly, uh, you, you had talked about why bears might be seen in this area more, but we are seeing, a, it seems like, an increase in different types of wildlife and more wildlife than we've seen in the past. More coyotes, more fishers, more things that we might not have seen. Is it because we're seeing them more often, maybe because we have security cameras and all those kind of things now, or are the population of these wild animals increasing in recent years? You have a combination of both in reality. You, you're 100% correct. The, like the ring doorbells and those security cameras that are more increasingly common on people's homes are catching wildlife, moving through our yards, our neighborhoods, um, where they were probably always there in the past. We just weren't catching them on video. And now everyone has a cell phone camera, and so they're getting video of these things. They send them to the news. So all of a sudden with the video, the news has something that's actually worth putting up there. So it's more kind of in everyone's face. 
But similar to the bear, the population growing and recovering, many of our species, you mentioned Fisher, same thing. They're recovering from a long-term uh, decline. And these are historic declines, kind of post-European colonization when we cut down all the forests in Massachusetts, turned it into farmland, that was loss of habitat, as well as like unregulated hunting, drove back our, our wildlife populations. And many over the last 50 to 100 years are, are recovering and spreading now throughout the state into places where they hadn't been for 50 years or more. And so we're seeing a lot of that as well. Well, Dave, I thank you for joining us, and, uh, and hopefully we can stay uh, in touch if we have some more bear sightings happening and other wildlife that might pop up in the area. Yep, absolutely. All right, thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. And uh, that is Dave Waddles. He is the black bear and fur bearer biologist for the Massachusetts Division of Fisheries and Wildlife. And we thank him for joining us and sharing some insight on the bear. So there you go. There's the question that everybody has had most, more often than any other question that we've been asked as we've started tracking the bear sightings. Is it the same bear? He says it is most likely the same bear. So um, there we go. We don't have to worry about there being tons of bears hiding around here that we're just not seeing. It's the same bear. Question, problem, solved. Now, the other part of it is, what do you do to keep them from coming back into your yard and staying in your yard? And as he mentioned, that's bringing in the food sources that would draw them to the yard. And, of course, keeping your distance is always number one. It's great to admire nature, but you got to admire nature from a distance. All right, well, we will take a break and be back in a few. Caller, hang on. I'll get right to you in just a moment. But I also want to let everybody know, before I talked about how, you know, if you need your windows replaced, if you need your screens repaired, how Precision Window and Kitchen is the place to call and have them come out and do the job for you. Well, you know what? They can also do jobs such as replacing your roof. If you feel like your roof is faded, if there's some parts that you know are leaking, if there's, if you just want to make sure that you're protecting the investment of your home for another couple of decades to come, well, Precision Window and Kitchen can help you with that. They can give you a brand new roof. They can also put up vinyl siding on your home. So maybe you want to protect the home's exterior. You want to make it easier to clean, but you also want to make it easier to keep looking like a brand new home all the time. Well, they can put vinyl siding up for you to make it super easy. I love the fact that you can just go out there and get a power washer. And really, you don't even need a power washer. If you have a good enough hose, you can do it with that. Just blast it off and keep it looking clean and new. And that's one of the great things they can do for you at Precision Window and Kitchen. Find out more by going to their website, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. It's got all the information about the different materials they use, the different jobs they can do for you, and of course, how to get an estimate from them. So check it out, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. Let's uh, let's go to the phones here. Good morning. You are on WBSM. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Nope. Once, twice. All right. Well, why don't I take my final break of the hour? We can come back. We can finish with some phone calls. Be back. In- and we can probably squeeze in another quick call or two if you want to call in, 508-996-0500. Or if you want to send in a quick app chat message coming up, Marcus and Chris are here. They will have you from 9 to noon. And then after that, it'll be Bill O'Reilly from 12 to 12.15, followed by Barry Richard. Then we'll have the Howie Car Show and South Coast Tonight with Jessica Machado. So lots of uh, great programming coming up your way. A reminder, too, as I mentioned, uh, Jack Blaine will be filling in for Barry on Thursday, and he's going to be talking a little bit more in depth about his column that's up at NewBedfordLight.org, in which he's talking about why isn't there a significant investment into Dyer's Field in New Bedford the same way there have been into other parks in the city and other baseball fields in the city, which, although the leagues utilize these fields, they're owned by the city, 
and uh, the city is responsible for the upkeep of them. So you can check out that column at newbedfordlight.org. He will talk more about it on Thursday. He's working on trying to get some guests on to discuss it as well. Uh, and I think you'll be in for a very interesting discussion with Jack on Thursday. But, of course, we've got lots of great programming for you every day here with lots of great discussions to talk about and great articles to check out at WBSM.com and on the app. If you missed our discussion with Dave Waddles from Mass Wildlife about the bears, I will have an article up on that a little bit later on today with some of his comments and the fact that, yes, according to Dave Waddles, uh, it is the same bear that has been wandering around. People are questioning whether or not that can be possible considering how much ground he's covered in the past week. But according to Dave, it is the same bear. And it's while he said it is a little bit of a, a, a large amount of distance for the bear to cover, it's not un, totally uncommon for it to happen. So, And we should get used to the idea of more bears coming down here. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at some point we don't have multiple bears roaming through the area at once. But it is bear mating season. So what I would recommend is that you keep your food, you know, your food sources inside, your pet food, your bird food, all that. Keep that inside. 